I'm Henry Lin. And I'm Max Moynian. And welcome to Better World. Better World is an exploration of badass people doing really cool things. The more we know about this world, the better we can do in changing it. If you buy your lettuce one day and it comes in a plastic box and you still care about the earth, those two facts are compatible. Like it does not require that every person never touch meat again, never use a piece of plastic again, never fly on a plane again, and never buy a gallon of gas. That's not essential for us to turn the tide. What's essential is that we just keep learning and thinking like, really, is nuclear safe? Like, oh my God, Arizona gets 40% of all of their energy needs met with nuclear? We can grow into a deeper, more sophisticated understanding of what the real dangers are around nuclear, for instance. But the only way you get there is if you're willing to talk about it. And that's the whole point of this series. Max, I find myself surrounded by badass women once again. <laughs> Twice in one day. Lucky Twice you. Twice in one day. Really killing <laughs> Henry, set us up for um, what we're doing today, and then I'll, I'll introduce our distinguished guests. I'm told that the end of patriarchy and the beginning of the climate revolution starts with the moms. But it's just something I overheard. So today, we have the rare privilege of talking to and hearing a climate action to-do list, some climate moms. Kelly, Claudia, hi, welcome to the pod. Hi, thanks for having us. Excited to be here. So I'll give I'll give the little the little two minutes on each of you incredible women. Kelly Corrigan has written four New York Times bestselling memoirs in the last decade earning her the title of the Poet Laureate of the Ordinary from the Huffington Post and the voice of a generation from O Magazine. She is curious and funny and eager to go well past the superficial in every conversation, which makes her the most perfect guest for our show. Welcome, Kelly. Thanks. And then we also have Dr. Claudia Benitez-Nelson, who is an associate dean and Carolina Distinguished Professor in the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of South Carolina. Her research focuses on understanding the biogeochemical cycling of nutrients and carbon, and they are influenced by climate change. Her many research honors include the Early Career Award in Oceanography from the American Geophysical Union and being named a Fellow of the American Association for the Advancement of Science that was a mouthful, and the Association for the Sciences of Limnology and Oceanography. Claudia is passionate about teaching and mentoring the next generation and is active in many efforts to increase diversity in the sciences. Wow. wow. I'm like I'm like a little intimidated wow. right now. Okay. Yeah, no. no I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> by, by do you guys both. have a theme song? It's like... Doo, 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 <laughs> Sure. We, we need one. That, we that need one. Great idea. That's now on our to-do no, no, list. I'm, I'm happy to write it. Like, let's go. Um, recently, Science Moms also introduced their climate action to-do list, which features three steps every parent can do to fight climate change. Swap carbon-polluting stuff for clean stuff, something that we talk about all the time on Better World. Share facts and concerns with family and friends. And speak up and ask leaders about their plans to stop big polluters. Guys... Leading the ladies. revolution. Ladies I think meeting. that guys is gender neutral. All right. I've been I do to sell too, this but for... but you know what? When you're speaking to all women, it's ladies. Okay, tough but fair. Tough but fair. Ladies or ladies. 
Um, welcome to the pod. Can you tell us a little bit about episode two, which is apparently airing on July 26th? Just a little plug. It is. So I got partnered up with a group called Potential Energy Coalition, and they had discovered that there's just huge consensus among the moms in America that this is a problem. And there's also this huge, terrible pattern, which is that we don't talk about it that much. And so they dug in a little bit, and it turns out that people don't typically talk about lay people, civilians, uh, soccer moms, and hockey moms. Do not talk about the climate that much because they're afraid it's going to start a fight. They're afraid that there's going to be some sort of political leanings that surface and that make people uncomfortable. Literally every time. Right? And they're also afraid that they don't have the goods. Like, they don't know the exact words, that they're going to misquote the science, that they're going to be revealed to have very thin knowledge on this big issue. Right. And then the third piece is that talking about it is the beginning of caring about it, is the beginning of taking action toward mitigating climate change. So my job is to create a platform where we can bring very impressive, free-thinking teenagers to the microphone and say, what are you doing about this? And what do you need from us? us old people, us dummies, the people who can vote and the people who have money and the people who patronize. Are literally leaving you holding the bag. Thank you. You could say it that way, Henry. And you did. So anyway, it was, it was super fascinating to get to know these kids. And, And then the thing that this second group does, the science moms, the climate scientists, that's where Claudia comes into things to really, all I wanted to do was just make sure that I wasn't passing along anything in my conversation with these five teenagers that wasn't accurate and wasn't actually laudable. Like maybe there was, you know, some mistaken moves happening in that generation. And what I discovered by talking to people like Claudia and the other science moms is that these kids are like right on the money. Like these kids, Mm -hmm. they've got it. And one of the reasons they have it is because they've all taken environmental science courses in high school and in college. And so Claudia gets to work with these kinds of kids all day long. And it is the engine of hope underneath a fairly despairing meta topic. Right. Right on. I love um, layers to what you just said about how like everyday people feel like they can't speak to these things because they don't have the knowledge. And so, but then there's also like, you're not an everyday person and you still need that sort of like backup. You need that fact checker. You need that support. We all do. I think even scientists, I mean, that's like the whole scientific process is also around that. Like we all need that kind of support and really nobody where that wherever they're at with like how much they know and, and how much work they've done should really feel intimidated to take their first step or, or take their next step because there's always so much more to know and there's no like no one's ever going to know enough and we just all kind of have to hold each other accountable and be, and support each other and and figure it out as we go. Yeah, and that sciencemoms.com site is so helpful because it's super simple, it's written for lay people and it's it helps you understand the priorities. Like what's in this fight to get back to more sustainable temperatures around the globe? What's small ball? What are like the big kahunas? What's the 80-20 rule on this thing? Like where to focus? What's the difference between composting and getting solar panels and getting an electric vehicle, et cetera? And so 
I think that the service that sciencemoms.com provides is to simplify, validate, and remind. So we, like everyone in our audience, and the, the podcast, my podcast is called Kelly Corrigan Wonders, and this is where we're doing this five-part series. And the, the only call to action in each episode is just sign up for the newsletter because that's the easiest way to stay kind of current with the overall work there is being done and to be done. Okay, so out of curiosity, you are only doing this five episode series because I'm, I'm big and hearing about this podcast. And your goal, it seems like with your, you know, your action to do list with some of the aforementioned is to really shift demand, right? And provide big education, not only for the kids and teens, but the moms. So, um, so then where does it grow to? Because I think we understand the impetus and where you're coming from. I'm just very interested and eager to hear where it grows to. Because frankly, I would love to see a bunch of angry moms descend on the Republican half of Congress and just be like, well, what are you guys doing? Just what? Mm-hmm. I think mom shaming would go a long way. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. I mean, there are models out there like Mothers Against Drunk Driving where right. they have driven public opinion such that candidates could not get elected. Literally, or... Matt crushed it in what was it, the late 90s? They mm-hmm. just... So I think that I think that's an interesting model, and I think that was kind of behind the theory of science moms. Um, the actual science moms are climate scientists who are really in it for their children and their grandchildren. So that the reminding each other that we have this deep uh, shared humanity in common, and that there is no mom on earth that wants to leave her kid in a world where the summer the average temperature is 120 degrees and you can't swim in the water because they're dead fish floating because they can't live in those temperatures. Or there's no more sea turtles because the sand's so hot, they only make female eggs, no male eggs, dot, 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 dot. I mean, there's a thousand examples. Right. That if you could tap into your why, if we could remind people, like, this is why it matters. You, You might be able to skirt it. If you're 50, 60 years old, you might be able to get through this life without suffering too much. But there's no way that your 20-year-old, that your 10-year-old, that your 5-year-old is going to make it. it, it it's already no. things have changed in ways that are so undeniable. I mean, like the British Open, they Everyone can't Everyone in the Northern Hemisphere is a, is a heat right. wave, right? They can't. It's so, usually a very cool island over there, huh? So I think that unleashing the power of women and mothers is a super sound strategy. It's worked before. We've gotten things done together before. It is totally bipartisan or nonpartisan. So it wouldn't be uh, so much that we would go after Republican senators. It's more- um, You can throw Joe Manchin in the mix. I'm okay with that. Thank thank you. Yeah, it was was on all of our minds, I could tell. um, But if you think about positive peer pressure, Like if you think about what drives human nature and what behavioral psychology can tell us about making change, you know, positive peer pressure is a great example. So if I get solar panels, every single person on my street is more likely to get solar panels. The day that I get my electric vehicle, every single person who sees me driving around town in that thing is a little more likely to get an electric vehicle. In fact, the reason I got the solar panels and got the EV was because someone else I knew did it. And so- Kelly, these days they call it influencers. 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. But this is really person to person. Cute, Max. Cute one. I mean, you had to bring it back to my generation. Right. You know? Well, that's cool. who these kids are. That's who these teen climate activists are, is, you know, these kids who are natural leaders, bound and determined by purpose, smarter than hell. I mean, it's just the smartest kids. I mean, right, Claudia? Oh, my gosh. They are so... I, I want to hear more about the kids. Yeah. Wait, can, can we have them on the pod? Like, what are we doing here? Yes, yes, yes. You should have every shut up one of them. Just... <laughs> right. Let the kids rip. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, a cool thing that surfaced in these this five-part series on Kelly Corrigan Wonders is inter, the power of intergenerational learning. So there's a really um, specific access point that comes when the youth are teaching the adults. So inside families, if you think about, say, the case of the CEO of Shell, where like, you know, the UN and the, the leadership of Norway is trying to get them to reduce emissions and look into different sources of energy, and they're not succeeding. I wonder, after doing this series, if the children of the CEO of Shell have the best shot at changing that guy's opinion about his work and what he should do in the world. Because my children have changed me the most. Like I, the, the most shocking thing my mother ever said to me is you changed me way more than I changed you. And I did not believe it at the time. But now that I have a 19 year old and a 20 year old, I agree with her. And that's the answer that this Kelly Corgan Wonder series is trying to surface is if we listen to our children, they are tapped in and ready to go. And if we just share their energy, you could make all sorts of things happen. Legislation at state houses, the sweeping adoption of solar energy or wind, the reconsidering nuclear energy, thinking more about the oceans and what goes in them, single-use plastics, like all the things that came up in these five conversations. If your kids are nagging you about it day in and day out, like, those are the influencers and it's micro influence. That's beautiful. I want, I'm curious because Kelly, you didn't have a background at all really in the environmental space and this is what drove you. And then Claudia, you do. I mean, you, you couldn't be more invested in this world already, but you're also a mother. And so I'm curious to know how your children might do the same thing for you. Oh, my kids are always letting me know all the things that I don't know about the world, about life, about TikTok and being an influencer and some of the new music that uh, I should be listening to. So I completely agree, you know, with Kelly about really talking to kids, really talking to parents and really having them talk to their children, their children talk to them about climate, about the things that they're worried about. I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, there's a uh, some preconceptions about climate change and, you know, Republican, Democratic, but I'll tell you, I'm from South Carolina, right? I live in the heart of, of what you consider red states, but I will tell you right now, you know, one of the things that's really important when you come on down to the South, it's all about family. It's all about taking care of your family. And so when I talk about, you know, our coastlines, I talk about climate and I do so in a way about, yeah, it's getting really hot out here. And, you know, all those those soccer games, yep, we're gonna we're gonna have to do another pause, you know, for that that hot dew point. Everyone's on board. You know, you can have so many 
really clear connections with other people just because we all care about you know our immediacy our family our kids you know going to the beach and it's making those connections and then just really talking about well these are how things are changing this is how you're experiencing it now you know yeah so you know we we need to think about how we're gonna change our business as usual and and maybe do some things a bit differently that um, really doesn't have a, a partisan divide. So I, I think that's the way to to have it. I'm sure you've had you have some really interesting talking points for people across the political spectrum on climate things. Uh, I'm curious to know like what are some of the strongest connection points that you've found? You mentioned some like it's a really hot day and people can just people can sort of grasp that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really easy, you know, when, you know, you're you're outside, you're playing with your kids, you know, and, you know, the the air is, is really dusty or smoky, right? Because there's a fire that's happening. And why are we having fires? Well, because it's drier, we haven't had as much rain. You know, there's so many connections that you make right in the, you know, immediacy of the moment, right? Um, South Carolina, we've had a lot of flooding. We've had a lot of these amazing flash flood thunderstorms. Well, why are we having it? Well, you know, it's getting really hot. That energy has to go somewhere. And, and that's how, you know, our, our ecosystem, our region really cools it off. So you're right. We're having flooding all the time now when this is not something we ever used to worry about. So I think, you know, for me, when I have talking points, those are such easy connections because everyone's like, you're right. It is raining all the time now. Or you're right. You know, gosh, darn it. It's so darn hot, you know, I can't believe how hot it is. Or, you know, yeah, the air quality. Everything's burning on the West Coast. Everything's burning on the West Coast. For us, actually, we pride ourselves, this is so funny, in South Carolina, having the best drinking water. It is so clear, it tastes so good. We've had these uh, blooms of these noxious algae relatively recently because it's gotten really hot. These particular algae, they love it, you know, and it's made our water taste bad. You have never heard so many people complain about how bad our water tastes and how we have to do something about it. And I was like, oh, interesting. You should bring that up. Let's talk about why that doesn't taste it. You know, the water doesn't taste so good right now. And what does that mean for the future? So, you know, for me, being a scientist and, and being a mom, you know, I, it's hard sometimes to get to that science brain where I'm like, well, let's talk about all the details and X and Y and and then I'm like, no, 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 let's just take a step back. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's changing. Here, how's it, here's how it's going. And providing those resources, right, about, hey, you know, sciencemoms.com. It's easy. It's straightforward. You know, it's, it's credible. You know me. I wouldn't tell you anything wrong. You know? <laughs> so that's how those connections are made. It's interesting to think about what it would take for people to include being climate sensitive in their identity. Right. Like, I feel like this is a moment where we're seeing the power of identity play out in a lot of really negative ways. And the identities are kind of monochromatic. Like you, you can only be, if you believe this, then you must believe this, this, and this. And we haven't left much room for like, it's kind of funny, I believe this, but I kind of believe that too not contradictory things, but associations of issues that tend to be blue or red that are kind of false, like they're kind of breaking apart a little bit. And so a thing that I like about Science Moms and Claudia and the other women that I talk to is that they're not 
framing it in political terms. They're framing it in terms of your identity. So Catherine Hayhoe, who's a, also one of the science moms, and she has written a book called Saving Us, and she's kind of famous. Like she went on. It's a great few, book. It is a great uh, book. Yeah, it's a great book. Great and she book. did some stuff with Leonardo DiCaprio and Obama. And, um, you know, she's kind of a stud. And she says seven, I guess there's, there's, there's six groups of um, Americans, six demographics of your relationship to the climate and how you identify with it. 7% of the US population are dismissers. They deny it. it, it's not happening, it's not man-made, it's nonsense, it's the liberal media, whatever, they've completely written it off as a non-issue. And one of the things Catherine said in the first episode on Kelly Corrigan Wonders is, uh, don't even bother, skip that, that group altogether. You will die on that hill. You will reach such levels of frustration that you will never want to have another conversation about the climate again. Suck so all as your soon energy. as you get, yeah, as soon as you get a taste that like Uncle Jerry is one of those 7%, you're done with Uncle Jerry. Move on because the next, th there are other groups that are more open to observations and making connections between say a crappy ski season or it's so hot they can't play tennis in England or nobody, no, your kids can't do outdoor sports for a month in California because of the AQI or, or, or that there's enough things you cannot deny with your eyes or your nose or your ears or your sense of touch. There's so much sensory input that's telling us this is different. This is worse. This is changing that maybe we can bring more people into the conversation. It doesn't have to be heated or political or angry or accusatory. Talk about it. Just talk about it. Just have the conversation, open it up. Mm -hmm. I think there's so many people, there's such a hunger for more information to kind of understand what's going on, why it's happening. And, you know, but there's, I think a fear, you know, you don't, you don't want to say something to offend someone else, you, you, you know, you're not really sure what it is you're talking about. You, you think you kind of got it, but not really. And, and so I think one of the ways that we connect, right, is that we're all moms, we all kind of share all those things that you have with your kids. And that's such an easy connection to make, right, when you're talking to others. Um, because you're already when you're a mom, you never know what really what you're doing anyway. Or, or maybe that's my own personal issue. <laughs> no, know, we're, no, we're with you. I'm with you, Claudia. Yeah, so talking to the other moms and be like, did your daughter do that? You know what I mean? So then when uh -huh. you kind of translate it to be like, did you hear about climate? Or did you hear that it's too sunny? You know, I think that's an easier conversation to, to have because you're already in this group, right? <laughs> right. And it's the most intimate. It, talk about identity. That is the core identity for people who are parents. Like that is the number one thing they will say about themselves. I know because you put it on book jackets. It's like Kelly Corrigan is a blah, 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 blah. And the last line of every bio I've ever written is she's the mother of two daughters. You know, like it's, it's something that we want other people to know about us. A thing that was super interesting to me that another one of the science moms said is to meet people where they are, like when in conversation about it, if you know, like I do about my own mother, that she is a person who prides herself on um, being nobody's fool and saving a buck when there's a buck to be saved. 
then come in on that line. Like conservation is cheaper. Like you're going to save money. Your solar panels are going to save you money. You're going to make your own energy in your house. You're not going to be dependent on a grid. Like if, if feeling smart and like a savvy consumer is your identity, there's an argument there. There's an angle there to say, well, do you know, like we save so much money per month. Like, and there are people, even in the 7% who deny it, who will still get the solar panels just because they want to be a person who is nobody's fool. That's their identity. I love that. There's like a, there's a, a great anecdote about a town in Texas that's like the reddest place possible and they don't care and they're non-believers in climate at all, but like they are, they've been running on solar for a really long time and they're like solar champions just for that reason. It's a right. great point. I'm like thinking as we're talking about, just talk about it and all these different kinds of conversations we've brought up, children and, and amongst parents and uh, deniers and all these things. There's one flow, one dynamic that comes to my mind. I'm not a mother yet, and I hope to be a mother one day. And the conversation that I think about sometimes that I'm like, how do you have that conversation is how do you explain it to your kids before they know enough to, to be teaching you? And I'm curious if, um, if that's something that either of you would like to talk about. It's hard for me to believe that there any kid you would have wouldn't be getting it everywhere they look like PBS kids and Sesame street. And I mean, it's, it's, it's trickled all the way down. It's like Dan Zane's music, right. like, you know, all the kitty albums and, you know, every celebrity out there cares about it, talks about it. Like, I, I can't imagine you're going to have to say one word. Well, I think you're, I think there's going to have to be something to explain to them because I think they'll reach a moment of, of, of being angry Yes. And and having that sort of shock moment of understanding what this is. And it, it kind of crushes me to think about having that conversation. And mm -hmm. I think as a parent, as a future parent, that's a conversation that I'm already preparing myself to have. And um, I can't imagine it's easy. A lot of science moms say um, the, the, the thing I visualize is my grandchildren saying, like, wait a minute. Right. What did you do? Oh my gosh, that's just the worst. It is the worst. I think I do think about that all the time is, you know, if I, if I ever have grandkids, boy, them coming after me and being like, what were you thinking? Huh? Come on. <laughs> you know, going, yes. Well, the truth is you would be their hero because you'd be someone that's doing everything that yeah, you can. Yeah, hopefully. And I, and I actually am very optimistic that, you know, if we you know, we talk about it, we start having these conversations. I mean, Kelly's had this fantastic teenagers, these kids on their on her show. They are making such a difference. I, I really am optimistic that we can uh, we can change it, you know, and we can we can reverse the trend. And and I know sometimes that I might be in the minority in that space, but I'm really not. You know, I I, I see my students all the time in the classroom, I hear about them, I see what they're doing, and I'm just like, hey if the rest of us could just shut up and listen, you know, adjust and vest, you know, and allow them to do what they want to do, then we're good. Then we're good. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm thinking about Malia Honda, who was your guest yeah. on, on the podcast that's up today on Kelly Corrigan Wonders. I'm just repeating it because it's going to, I don't want you to not be able to find it. And she, there's nothing angry about her. There's, there's nothing remotely finger pointy about her. And in fact, um, 
she's almost guileless in her, it's not even remotely part of her interest. Like who is to blame? That is not what you hear when you listen to these kids. What you hear is, will you help me? Will you roll up your sleeves? And that very specifically what you hear is, don't sit back and applaud me. Like this is an American idol where I'm going to stand up here and do this astonishing thing and you're going to be in the audience clapping and tearing up. This is get on stage with me. Roll up your sleeves. Start doing something differently with me. Not for me, with me. And their sense of agency and leader, natural leadership abilities is really generative. Like I felt differently. And this is a hard time in American history to feel great. It really is. There's just a relentless amount of, of headlines that will just put you right back in bed, covers over your face. And this series, these kids, these science moms will make you feel differently. And you have to in order to do the work. You know, like I, I had to give a graduation speech this year at University of Richmond. And I was, you know, totally gnashing my teeth about it. And then it occurred to me that like the thing that's required that's in short supply is optimism. And so I went hunting for reasons to be optimistic. And I gave them 67 reasons to be optimistic about the world they're entering. And a part of that energy came from talking to these five teenagers and talking to these five science moms. It's such a good uh, it's such a good thing to hear because I fully am a believer that like that's how you get people. You can't shame people into action. Absolutely not. And and as a as an environmental communicator, I, I know that I follow that I practice. I believe that. And I, I love that kind of energy of being positive. But even I have my days especially now, especially with what's going on with Joe Manchin, of feeling really down and needing that little boost. So thank you for sharing that. So I'm like, yes. And it doesn't, I, I, I still want to shame Joe Manchin. Let's let's just keep the shame going on that <laughs> Well, no, I, I meant more that we can't shame each other. Like, oh my God, you didn't know this and you, you, you don't recycle and like you fly planes. Like we're never going to shame each other in that way into doing anything about it. Um, and these kids, that that fresh energy is really what we need of just like, let's let's rock together. Yes. And also, let's not um, exact upon each other a standard of perfectionism. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you can if you buy your lettuce one day and it comes in a plastic box and you still care about the earth, those two facts are compatible. Like it does not require that every person never touch meat again, never use a piece of plastic again, never fly on a plane again, and never buy a gallon of gas. That is not what, that's not essential for us to turn the tide. What's essential is that we just keep learning and thinking like, really, is nuclear safe? Like, oh my God, Arizona gets 40% of all of their energy needs met with nuclear? And, and, and it's completely paid for, and it's a 50-year-old nuclear plant, right. and it's never had an, uh, a minute of trouble. Like, that's interesting. Like, I'm open to that now. So us just saying that out loud and, and knowing that that's true and real and servicing an enormous community that is desperate for electricity, because if you don't think they need their air conditioners, you haven't been to Arizona in 10 years. Nuclear. 
Like that Nuclear moves the needle. Talking Say it again. moves Nuclear the needle. Is great. Yeah. Yes. All day. Nuclear is great. It is, and it has a crazy reputation, and it's all understandable. But we can, we can grow into a deeper, more sophisticated understanding of what the real dangers are around nuclear, for instance. But the only way you get there is if you're willing to talk about it, and that's the whole point of this series. Talk about how make people feel guilty for for not being on point in their climate activities all the time, twenty four seven. It's okay, right? These are just just take you know those small steps, make it happen. We will all get there. It's such a crazy thing that it's like paralyzing. You get into this sort of like analysis paralysis. I've been there too, where you feel like I can't talk about these things. I can't, I can't call myself an environmentalist because look at my lifestyle. But then I, I, I can't do my environmental work without these systems that we have to rely on. Like I'm probably using fossil fuel. I've been California. I don't know what my energy mix is right now. I think it's a lot of gas. And I'm probably using fossil fuel to even have this conversation. So like when I can get it down to that level, I'm just like, I need to use the system in order to change the system. And yes, making changes in your lifestyle really does matter because like when you become more mindful of plastic, for example, it just, it's just that little reminder in your everyday life of how much work there is to do and how broken the system is. And so it's important, but like it should never get in the way of, of actually speaking up and having conversations and talking about it. I I would love for people to get over that hesitation of speaking up just because they feel so contradictory um, personally. Yeah. I wonder something moms come into. Judgment is the opposite direction of where we want to be. No, I think one of the things that we really need to think about and, and pay attention to is how we can all collectively work together to enact change. I think it's really important that we each personally do our bit, but there's so much more that we can do collectively if we really talk at a much broader scale to our state legislatures, you know, our governors, the federal government, because there's so much that they can do from their level to enact change and to make fundamental transitions in our infrastructure and what we support to allow all of these larger scale changes that we want to have happen with regards to climate, you know, conservation and sustainability. I mean, we're working on a system that is decades old and in some ways that's great, but in other ways, having that innovation and taking advantage of all of the innovation we already have is phenomenal. And is really, I think, would be a, a game changer in terms of moving the conversation forward. So yes, not just individuals, but all working together collectively about how we can really um, make a difference, I think is really important. And that that is about speaking up, talking to individuals, writing, you know, your your state senators, your, you know, whatever state they may be to make a difference and to really highlight why you think that's important. It's so nice to hear that from you, that it's important to like fire off on all cylinders because you're a scientist. I mean, I, I need to explain to everyone the visuals I'm seeing right now of your office. Like there are books everywhere and you look like you're deep in research and you're very busy. So on top of all that, the science moms, like you understand that there's so many outlets for you to be involved and and that's for everyone. And that's really Amazing. I mean, I just, I have like to 
pass the flowers to you digitally here because I mean, as an oceanographer, I doubt you got into that work because just because of climate, I think you probably just fell into the, came into this work because you love the oceans. And so, you know, this is just what you have to do these days to love the oceans is to also fight for them and uh, major appreciation for all the work you do, truly. Yes. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you guys um, again for coming on the pod. We greatly appreciate you guys showing up. We would love to have uh, your badass teenagers on the pod at some point. And we look forward to seeing, you know, the mothers against drunk driving style mad revolution happen because um, when, when moms unite and get together, shit changes real quick. So thank you again so very, very, very much. You are so welcome, and I hope you all visit Science Moms and uh, learn everything that we're doing and take that message and carry it on. Kelly, tell us one more time about your podcast and when it launches and where we can find it. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, just put in Kelly Corrigan Wonders, and you'll see this five-part series called All Together Now. It'll pop right up, and it's fantastic. Launching July 26th? It's, uh, the first episode is up now first episodes out let's go yeah guys thank you very very much um for being on the pod we really really appreciate having you thank you claudia thank you kelly thanks you guys i'm henry lynn and i'm max moynian and this has been another episode of better world please join us again where we have more rad people doing badass things <laughs>